man, are we having some church today or what? Wow, I, I don't know what's going on here, but that was good, good stuff. I'm glad that you all are here with us today. Um, I was talking to Pastor James uh, ahead of time. We were just thinking about, um, you know, summertime comes around and you see these fluctuations in attendance and what kind of, and then we were kind of walk, walking through today. Uh, Pastor Shana is off with a group of kids at youth camp. Um, so that's a big chunk of, of what's going on here. By the way, pray for her because she's at youth camp, right? Anyway, uh, and then um, uh, uh, Jeanette Lord is up preaching at the Dewey Church today. I mean, we just got people going out and doing ministry things, which is really cool when we start thinking about that. Um, we've always kind of been that kind of church where if we have a resource, we want to share it with our, our brothers and sisters. And so this is kind of one of those Sundays. I'm like, oh, it's kind of fun that, you know, we can talk about that. But anyway, I'm glad that you're here and um, that you were able to experience this with us today. Um, by the way, uh, today's message includes a lot of pictures of dogs and puppies, and that's just to endear you so I can slide the truth while you're paying attention to the, to the dogs. Um, anyway, um, when a national tragedy hits... Uh, it seems to me that people try to make sense of it, and what they often do is they go um, to the Bible. Uh, now, this is generally a good practice. This is generally something I, I, I feel pretty good about. <clears throat> but if something negative happens, like um, one party occupies a political office more than another, or... Um, uh, something happens in legislation or um, the direction of the company or um, that company the country is in kind of jeopardy in somebody's opinion there's a particular passage that the church often refers to and I think it's familiar to you and let me let me just put it up on the screen so you can see it it goes like this if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. How many of you have heard, you know, read this or, or heard this before? Yeah, I mean, this is a, a pretty familiar passage to most people. And I swear that whenever the TV preachers bring this one out, they treat it like it's new. Like, oh, like it's this previously undiscovered passage. Um, well, maybe it is to them. I don't know. But uh, it's this common thing that, that comes up, especially when there's, there's a certain amount of anxiety or angst within, within the country or specifically within the church in general. And, you know, we, we're trying to make sense of things, and we're trying to find comfort in the passage, and so we bring, bring this, this passage out. And it's a classic if-then type of statement. If my people, then I will. So God says, if you all do this, then, that's, then here's what I'm going to do. Now, I think there's a certain amount of caution that's warranted here. We have to be very careful with this. Because this passage is actually recording the very words of God spoken to a specific king of ancient Israel. It makes for great refrigerator magnet theology. It's a fabulous bumper sticker. But we have to be careful that we don't misappropriate it. Okay, it's, it's given to a specific group of people. We can find some comfort in it, but we have to be careful of 
bringing too much into it. Now, now that I've piqued your interest and aggravated you, I'm going to tell you that's a sermon for another day. That's called a hook. That means eventually you're going to come back and I'm going to pick this one up. Not next week, by the way, just FYI. <clears throat> My interest today is in a very specific phrase. And the reason I brought this one out is because it would be familiar to you, and it's simply this, seek my face. Seek my face. In, in Hebrew, um, the term is bakash panim. Seek my face. Panim, my face. Let me hear you say the word panim. Excellent. Now you can amaze your friends at parties because you know some Hebrew. Panim, seek my face. And we see this phrase in a couple of different places within the Old Testament, typically among the poets, which I find quite fascinating. Here, here's one. Earlier in First Chronicles, this is a, um, the lyrics of a song that was used in worship. Give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done, sing to him, sing praises to him, tell of all his wonderful acts, glory in his holy name, let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice, look to the Lord and his strength, seek his face always. Bakash Panim. Then in the Psalm 24, who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god, they will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. Again, this idea of seeking face. And ironically, um, we've just read this. This is uh, Psalm 10. Whoops. Oh, this one is actually uh, Psalm 105. I missed, marked it. Um, give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done, sing to him, sing praise to him, tell of his wonderful acts. Um, bottom line there, seek his face always. So when we see this phrase um, used, it's often as expressed as an exhortation or as an encouragement. You know, for those who seek his face, or go and seek his face, look, look for him. Now, here's the big question. When it comes to this idea of seeking God's face, what does that actually mean? What does it mean to seek the face of God? Because it's not like he misplaced it. It's not like God's face is lost or it's missing. That would be weird. So poetically and intuitively, I think that we do understand what it conveys. And if we were going to use modern language, we would say it simply this way, to connect with God. That's the language that we often use around here, as to connect with God. And so if I'm going to borrow from a Jewish tradition of restating Scripture in, in um, um, more modern terms, it would go like this. If my followers would be honest with themselves, connect with me, leave destructive things behind, then I will do the amazing things only I can do. And ultimately, that's kind of what's, what's happening here when we seek God's face. Now, you may say it differently, and that's okay, but I think you get the idea. Seeking God's face. Now, the more important question to me is not just what this means, but rather, how? How do we seek God's face. 
Part of the reason why we come to church every Sunday is to gain skill. Are we here to worship? Of course we are, yes. Uh, we're here to connect with others, yes, of course. We want to do that too. Uh, we want to feel uh, like we're part of a community, but also we want to find new ideas on how to follow Jesus more closely. And there are a lot of different ways of doing this, of, of, of uh, um, becoming better disciples and to, to seek and to connect. And last week we talked about this a little bit when, when we were um, revisiting this idea of, of finding a theme for the year, of actually asking God, God, what is it about my discipleship that you want to work on in my life? What, what is it that, that, that's on your heart for, for me this year? That's the theme for the year. And in the past, we've even talked about setting an alarm at different times during the day to interrupt the distractions that keep us from, from focusing ever on God. And so today I want to offer you just another opportunity for you to grow. Another opportunity for your discipleship. Because remember, Jesus said, go and make disciples. And that means helping people find and follow Jesus, but also so that we would become better disciples ourselves. Why? So we can help other people find and follow Jesus. And there's a cycle here. There's a, a beautiful system, ecosystem that's in place. So, uh, 20 years ago, um, our pastor in Michigan taught about an intentional, focused time with God. And I want to share this with you because um, it's, it, it's powerful if we use it well. He called it um, a dog day, which means date alone with God or day alone with God. Now, I have provided uh, a little handout if you want to fill in and follow along um, because we're trying to build skill. I want you to have something that you can actually take with you. So, on the top part here uh, is the passage we're, we're dealing with. We, uh, next line is seek God's face, but then date alone with God. You can fill in the blanks there so that you remember, or if you prefer, day alone with God. It depends on how much time you have, okay? Date alone with God. So let me ask this question. Um, in your own kind of um, church life, have you ever thought about what it would be like or what you would do if you ex uh, spent some extended time with God. Now, I'm not talking about the, the daily devotions or quiet time, because I'm just going to tell you right up front, when I have quiet time, when I schedule that, I, for some reason, fall asleep. Okay, I confessed. Now I can preach, okay? So that quiet time kind of thing, I, people who can do it, God bless them. I'm glad that they can do that. But for me, that's always been a bit of a struggle. And, and I'm not talking about those daily quiet times. What I'm talking about is carving longer periods of time that you spend with God. What are you going to do? How would you do that? Because we're very busy in our lives, I don't think we give that uh, a whole lot of attention. And the, the, uh, our pastor, uh, who, who originally taught us this, thought so much of this idea that he required a dog um, of every person on staff. So, Thrive Team, get ready, because it's coming, <laughs> okay? Um, if you were a full-time staff member, you were expected to take a full day alone with God once a month. And if you were, you know, part-time or support staff, it was a half day. 
But the point was is that he wanted everybody to carve time out. And I think this is important because the message was very clear that before you are a pastor, before you are a staff member, you are a disciple of Jesus. And you've got to spend some time focused on that. And I, and I hear it because it's so easy to get distracted. Very easy to do that. And so what I want to do is just offer you a very simple three-part process. If you turn it over, um, there's a spot where you can fill in the blank. And then if you want to take some notes on, on this, um, you can put it in there. So, uh, yes, puppies. Excellent. Right? So the first one is set it up. Set it up. This is the first part of a, of a dog, of a date alone with God. Set it up. Spend some time planning this period of time that you're carving out to try to connect with God, to seek his face. And like I said, if you can do a day, hey, that's cool. If not, that's fine. Try a half day. And if that doesn't work, how about lunch? I, you know, most of us take at least an hour lunch hour. What would it be like instead of scheduling it with somebody um, in your office or a client or a customer or something? What if you took that hour and said, you know what, I'm going to meet with God today. And I'm not talking about fasting. Well, if you want to fast, that's fine. I'm just saying carve out that hour and say, I'm going to spend some time with God today trying to work on the relationship that I have with him. How do you get to know another person? How do you do that? When I went to seminary, I got a, a good piece of advice from another pastor. He said, hey, you know what? Do your best to not eat lunch alone. And I thought that was great because you'd be in class with someone and somebody would say something and, and I would go up to him afterwards. I'm like, hey, I'd really like to hear more about that comment that you just made. Can we, can we go have lunch? And, oh, yeah, sure, you know, we all went to the same cafeteria, so we we're all going to be there anyway, and it just was kind of a convenient thing to do. And even now, I try to make sure that if I'm not eating lunch at home with my family, that I'm trying to eat lunch with somebody, trying to connect with them. So what if we took that same kind of thought process and applied it to our relationship with God? How do you get to know a person? You spend some time with them. So plan this. Be a day, half day, lunch, whatever it happens to be. And then here's, here's a novel thought. Ask God to meet with you ahead of time. If you want to have lunch with me, I am happy to do that. But you've got to get it on my calendar. And so a lot of you know that you have to email this fabulous woman named Kelly, and Kelly will make sure that it gets on my calendar. And um, sometimes she can talk to me, but it's probably better to talk to her because she sees the whole calendar all the time. And, and if you want to have dinner at my house, don't talk to me about that. You need to talk to Lisa because Lisa manages the home calendar. Do you get the idea that I don't manage a lot of calendars? Yeah, <laughs> there's probably a good reason for that. And the point is, is that you need to schedule those things ahead of time because we all do have busy lives and we have responsibilities that we can't necessarily ignore. And so the same is true when we spend time with God, is that we, we actually connect with him ahead of time. And here's the upshot. Are you ready for this? Here's the upshot. He always says yes. Isn't that cool? He always says yes. No, Emily, don't cry. It's a good thing, I promise. <laughs> yeah, he always says yes. So ask God to meet with you ahead of time. Um, and then pick a location. 
pick a spot where you can actually connect. Um, when I was growing up, I lived um, in a town that was about seven blocks wide, north to south, and about seven miles long. And it was only seven blocks wide because there was a lake on the north side, and there was a lake on the south side, and there was a lake on the west side. So if you went too far, you were going to get wet. And uh, what I found for me when I was in high school especially, and also in college, that if I wanted to connect to God, it was a really good idea for me to go out to the lake because it was quiet and the wind and the waves and that sort of thing. Then I moved to central Kentucky. There's not a whole lot of lakes in central Kentucky. And I had to find a new way of connecting with God. So outside might be it for you. You may need to go somewhere and be outside. Uh, I know another friend of mine, he just loves the mountains. He connects most when he's out hiking. That's, that's great. That might be you. Um, but find a meaningful place for you. Uh, I know that, I know this is going to be a shocker to a lot of you, but very often when I'm doing a date alone with God, I go to a coffee shop. I'm just saying, just, I know that's hard for you to understand, right? But go to those places that are meaningful for you where you can actually connect on these things. The other thing you might want to do is um, move around a little bit. Because if you are going and, and meeting somebody and spending some time with them and getting to know them, you might do different activities. So maybe you're going to plan an activity. Go for a walk. You know, whether you're down on, on Riverside and you're walking along the river, that's fine. That's a great place to talk. You're not the only one who's talking to themselves. Um, there's a place called Hunter Park. I think it's on 91st. They have a labyrinth. Have you ever walked a labyrinth? Walking a labyrinth is a really interesting thing because you kind of go back and forth, and, and if you pray along, it, for me... I went into the labyrinth, I walked out of the labyrinth, and I realized it was only then that I needed to turn around and go back again because finally the noise in my head was gone. It was fascinating to me just by spending a few minutes walking along this labyrinth. That's a great way to connect with God. If it's not you, that's fine, but just some ideas of activities you can do. So set it up. Spend some time thinking about the things you're going to do and the places that you're going to go and how you're going to connect with them. Here's the second one. Bring some supplies. Bring some supplies. Uh, probably a good idea to bring a Bible since you're connecting with God, just saying. Um, maybe bring a devotional book. And by the way, I put um, on the bottom of the sheet a couple of resources that you might be interested in. These are books um, that I found helpful in just in my own journey. And they're you know, ways for you to kind of get to know God through it. Um, some devotional work. I've got some other ones too. If you don't like those, uh, Pastor James and Pastor Dan and I would be delighted to hook you up with some other ones, but these are, these are books that I liked. So um, when you read that book though, that chapter, you're dialoguing with God. What is this book telling me? What is God speaking to me through this author? What, what, what does this mean for me today? And asking those questions. Um, I like to bring a journal um, or a sketchbook. Because I, what I want to do is I want to record some of the thoughts that I'm having about this. 
Um, and I'll talk more about that in a minute. You might want to bring some music, too, because some people I know connect with God through music. That's great. So put in your earphones and play that music, things that will help you connect with God. Bring some food. Bring some beverage, like coffee. Again, you're, you're trying to connect. You're trying to get to know him. And how would you do that with someone else? What are the kinds of things that you would do? How would you apply those same thoughts to God? Here's the third one. Listen. And I'm going to tell you right now that this part is the most challenging. Because we are busy people and we have a lot of noise in our head uh, and we've got a lot of thoughts and a lot of responsibilities and a lot of things that are competing for our attention, sometimes it's hard to listen. But you pray as a conversation. And you, you take your requests before God, and then you listen. And maybe sometimes it's just simply saying, God, what do you have for me today? What, what is it? What is it that you want to tell me today? And I would really suggest that you write down what you sense. Sometimes it's a thought. Now, if you're fortunate, you actually get the audible voice of God. It does happen. Um, it hasn't happened to me a whole heck of a lot, but... Um, sometimes you get this thought in your mind. You don't know where it comes from. Write it down. Just write it down because it may not mean anything for you right now, but it might mean something for you later. Um, sometimes you get an impression, which is a little bit different than a thought. So a couple weeks ago, uh, I was driving. For some reason, a lot of great thoughts come while I'm driving or while I'm in the shower. I'm not sure why, but it happens. And... Um, we have a, an opportunity as a church to partner with another church to do, do some, some, um, some events. And I got this deep impression while I was in the car that Thrive is going into a season of growth. I don't know if that means numerically. I don't know if it means spiritually. I don't know what it means. But that I needed to make sure that for myself, the decks were kind of cleared for action. It was a strong impression, and I had to write that one down. Pulled the car off to the side of the road kind of a thing, just to say, oh, wow, there's, there's something that's going on here. So I don't know what your impression is or how God has spoken to you or helped you feel things in the past, but make sure that you spend a couple minutes writing it down. Sometimes God will give you an image, a picture in your mind. Uh, about 10 years ago, I was on a, a date alone with God, and I got this distinct impression of a ship's prow going through water. I still don't know what that means. I have no idea. But that image has stuck with me, and so I'm just kind of waiting to see what God might have in mind for that. So I don't know what it is for you, but find a way to listen and to record it so that you remember it. And, and I would also say this, that it's, it's very helpful when you're done with your date alone with God to talk with somebody about it. Maybe not a, a formal debrief kind of session, but just an opportunity to tell someone else what you experienced. You know, maybe wait a day and have that conversation with them. So last week... Um, I was talking with Lisa, um, just kind of how I, I've been feeling. Um, we've been running at this thing for three years. And uh, I told her, I said, I just feel like I'm on empty a little bit. 
And um, there's just demands of the job and there's personal responsibilities. I mean, I'm like you. I mean, I've got the same kinds of things that are going on in my life. And I was just kind of feeling drained. Have you ever felt that way? Just like, okay, one more thing. You wake up in the morning and you go, really? Okay. And then you keep your head down and you keep moving. And I was kind of feeling that drained day. And Lisa looked at me, just point blank. And she said, hey, when was the last time you did a day alone with God? I couldn't remember. Couldn't remember. It's like trying to drive your car with no gas. Now, I drive a hybrid, so, you know, it goes a little bit longer, but still, right? couldn't remember when I did that. You know, in the passage that we read, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, I want to just talk about this for a second. Our, our staff um, uh, was talking about this uh, Friday. Our executive team met, and we were talking about this idea of humble. What does it mean to humble yourself? You know, at the very least, I think what humbling yourself is, is just telling God, I can't live a life of faith on my own. That's not a life of faith. Does that make sense? I can't do this by myself. Humbling yourself is just admitting, telling yourself the truth, being honest with yourself, and going, you know what? I can't handle all this by, by my, myself and on my own. I can't do it. Humble yourself. When you do a day alone with God, that's humbling yourself. It's like, you know what? I can't do it. I'm going to carve out some time and I'm going to connect with the one who, who can. I'm going to seek his face. Does that make sense? Yeah. For the record, I've got a day alone with God scheduled next week because I need it desperately. I know I need it. And so my challenge for you today is to find some extended time to connect with God and to seek his face. You know, around here, um, we talk a lot about relationship and building relationships with one another and building relationship with God. In fact, we hope that that's in the DNA of our church. We call it the cheers factor, where everybody knows your name and they're always glad you came. Here's the good news for today. Real good news. God, the creator and the sustainer of the universe, already knows your name. And he is glad that you came. And he'll always make time to spend with you and connect with you if you make the effort. He wants that kind of relationship with you. And I think what Dan was talking about at the end of that song is just really powerful. I'm sure there's a, a learning curve here. But think about that. Let that one sink in. Let it soak down into your soul. God wants to relate to you.